This is the Blaze Radio On Demand. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. This Irish man stands with America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Hello, America. Thank you so much for tuning in today. This is the Freedom's Disciple podcast. I am your host, Jonathan Dunn, the host of the show on the Blaze. That you come for the action, but you stay for the principles. How are you today, America? I don't know about you, but I'm excited. It's seven days till Christmas. I'm like a little child. I'm giddy. Um, I hope you had a wonderful, wonderful week. I hope you uh, are out shopping and getting loads of things ready, getting some presents to put under the tree, getting some food. I'm, 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 I'm really excited for Christmas because there's a ritual we do in my house um, that I, I'm really, really, I've been excited for for about honestly about two months, and it's where on Christmas Eve we pick up our turkey and a ham. And we put it in on, on Christmas Eve night. And we put it in about 5 or 6 o'clock. And then my mother is involved in the local Catholic church. And she goes to 7 o'clock mass, which is a kid's mass. And then she comes home and she bastes the turkey. And I'm there waiting. And just the smells and the aroma, it's beautiful. And then usually it depends on the schedule that I have and what works. So I'm never sure. But sometimes I go to a nine o'clock mass with her, and if not, I'll go the next day. But when she comes home from nine o'clock mass, which is what they call the midnight mass, we literally just have like a little feast. And we have some turkey, we have some ham, some cranberry sauce, some stuffing. We just make a lovely sandwich and just sit down. And there's usually a movie we watch. Um, different. It changes every year. I remember a couple, we started it several years ago when I showed her Man on the Moon. It was her introduction to Glenn Beck. And then we watch different specials and different movies. And we just have a really late night because it's only the two of us and a dog. Um, we have a late night and get up. We don't have to be up super early on Christmas Day and just getting ready for the time. It's just a time where there's no work, no phones, no social media. No, I've got to be thinking about this or no reading reports or work. Just one-on-one time and just just sitting back and relaxing and getting into the the Christmas spirit. I'm really, really excited about it, and I'm looking forward to it. And I hope you guys have a beautiful and wonderful Christmas. Today's show, I've got a lot to discuss with you, but I'm, I I want to take it easy because I want to share a few things with you. And I want to start off by answering a question. So if you if you've been if you've been listening to this show for the last five or six months, I used to do a segment on the show called Life in Utopia, and it was where you would send me in questions about Anything I would answer about anything, but also about life in Ireland. And I got a question a couple of weeks ago, and I just didn't get to it. I answered the person privately in in Facebook Messenger. I said I'd actually answer the question publicly. And it was where I was talking about, you know, America is great because Americans are good, and about your people and, you know, what makes you brilliant. And it all boils down to your people for me. And the question was... 
there was two questions which I'll answer. One was, don't the Irish band together and help each other after disaster and crisis? And in Ireland, who and how has decided what the issues are that must everyone must get in line with? So let me answer the first question. Um, Irish people are generally good people. Uh, I always say to people, even though I have nothing in, in common with a lot of them on a lot of different grounds when it comes to religion, faith, and when it comes to politics, when it comes to principles, they're good people. I would always recommend anyone visit. It's a great visit. It's a lovely country. I will say this. If you do come from certain parts of America, and traditionally down south, make sure you bring lots of warm clothes. Uh, it's a really cold over here a lot of the times. Especially, actually, if you're down south, come at any time to Ireland, bring lots of clothes. Because... Let me put this in terms you might understand. Our summers are like your winters. Our winters are like winter up north. So bring clothes. But they're lovely people. It's a lovely country. Go If you are going anywhere in Ireland and you're thinking about it, just drop me a message. I'll give you some points to go to if you don't know where to go or the good spots and you know different things. The Guinness over here is amazing. Food is pretty good in certain parts. But the culture is so ingrained into the people that when it comes to issues it's the government's job to fix so right now the big issue in Ireland has been for about six months it's been homelessness because there there's these reports and there's these agencies who literally go and release reports after every period of time they go down the streets one night and they count how many people are, are sleeping on the streets and it's going up and homelessness is a very serious issue the response is anything from government needs to give them more money to government needs to own um, build more houses there needs to be more social housing government needs to take derelict buildings over redesign them, revamp them and upgrade them and and make them available for those of the homeless they need to do the same and give them to the charities. They need to give more money to the charities. All the solutions are government-focused. In fact, there was a very frightening conversation on radio, and they were very serious about it. Um, I was driving one day, and I, I don't listen to anyone over here. I'm not loyal. Where I, you know, I listen to Glenn Beck every day. I listen to Mark Levin as much as I can. I listen to Doc Thompson as much as I can. I listen to Buck Sexton when I can. Um, but I never listen live, so I, I'm not loyal to anyone. I just flick on the radio. But there was this interesting debate, and the debate focused around one issue, the homeless problem. And basically their solution was that there should be a law passed today by government that said anyone who owns any land that has not been used, you have one year from the day the law passes and it becomes law to make that land either sell it or make it available for development or you lose it that is the type of conversation we have over here can you imagine telling that to a farmer can you imagine imagine telling that to a developer who has 20 sites and is building on 15 well if you don't build on 20 you lose it in a year or how about just being a person who owns land hey I own this land I don't want to use it right now I have other plans for it you lose it if you don't do anything in a year. Could the government do that? Yes. Would they? If the right people got in power and had enough say, yep. And you know what? 
over here it'll probably be celebrated because it's it's for the better good. You know, there's many stories I could share with you. There's the stories from different neighborhoods and different parts where someone moved into a neighborhood and out over here it's kind of different. Um we have we have councils rather than state governments and the councils do all the upkeep, the, you know, the roads and the bridges. They're kind of similar layout to you, except you actually state has power, we don't. And one of the things the council do is outside a lot of people's houses, there's a patch of grass. Well, this person moved into a new neighborhood and said, this is my house and outside my house, it's my house, it's my property. I am going to clean it. I'm going to clean it for rubbish in the winter. I'm going to clean up the leaves um, in the summer and during the winter. I'm going to mow the grass. It's my piece of property. It is my responsibility. What was the response to that? Most people would try and do that and think, okay, well, let's just work in the neighborhood and let's do it. No, that person was duly informed that they should be ashamed of themselves because they were putting council people out of work and that if everyone followed their habit, there would be a bigger unemployment crisis in America or in Ireland. It got so bad that that person eventually left that neighborhood. When it comes to issues just going back to that homeless issue that we started discussing with. There is very rarely, if at all, a discussion. But what can the average person do? What can you do? What can I do? How can we make things better? There's never an issue of, well, let's find them a job. There is never anything to empower people. It is to make them dependent on government. When it comes to it, they use homeless people or anyone else, the poor, the single mothers, they use everyone. Because their answer is always the same. Let us not make you empowered and independent and for you to have your own life where you never again have any need for government. It's always, let's make sure you have plenty of need for government. So we will fight to give you more money, more benefits. Because if you listen to the people over here, and, and American politicians are starting to sound a lot like Irish politicians, what we just need is, you know, more spending, more stimulus packages, you know, reduce the unemployment. But we need to do more in communities. You know, we need to control the school lunch program. Any of these starting to sound familiar? You just need more money because you hate the poor. You need more benefits. You need free this, free that, you know. You need an Obama phone. That is the conversation. It's always government. You know, when you boil down Irish politicians and, and a lot of American politicians and European politicians and politicians from around the world who live in this great, quote-unquote, democracy, where it's just so good and noble, in many ways, a lot of them, the vast, vast, vast majority of them, are despicable human beings. Because they are taking your place, making it their own, and making sure they stay in power because of your plight. That is the sad truth about politics in Ireland. Now, do you judge the Irish people? Well, that is for each and every one person to do. But the one thing I've become convinced of, the same problem is in Ireland as the same problem in America today. There isn't anybody else talking about and offering an alternative. 
there isn't anyone talking about freedom. You know, how do you expect the Irish people to know freedom? Because some people look down their nose and go, stupid Irish people, you know, they're, they're, they're just, they just don't get it. Well, they don't get it because they've never had it explained to them. And anybody who does try and explain it to them, it's foreign. It's a hard, hard process. And because, quite frankly, in many ways, America is not the shining city on a hill for freedom anymore. You are still a wonderful country, but your government doesn't act like in a traditional American way. People like me can't point to America anymore from the government I do to your people, to your constitution, to your history, to your principles and values, but not to your government. I can't point at the U.S. government and go, that's the government you want to follow. You really think someone like me who believes in freedom is going to point to, well, what you want is a president who says, and I quote, I have a pen and I have a phone. Gee, that sounds an awful lot like a dictator. Or how about I point to, you know, the leader in the Senate who, well, you, the people just want to show, or the, we just got to show the people we can govern. Uh-huh. Or how about the other famous leader that used to be in the House? Well, we're only one half and one third, so tyranny rules. Because what do you want us to do? I put in the tyranny rules part because that's effectively what he said. He did say, I'm one half and one third. What do you want me to do? This... You want me to point that out and say, that's the government you want? You want me to point to a place where the, the only country in the history of the world where the states gave the federal government power and not the other way around? And yet you pretty much don't have a Tenth Amendment anymore. You want me to point to that government and say, yeah, that's the government you should follow, boys and girls? The answers are simple. we got to give people an alternative. we got to show people a new way of life. I believe the best way to do that is to help return America to our principles. And then I can say, that's the country you want to follow. That's the country you want to emulate. Because you can be free too. The Irish people are good. But they don't have any leaders. And the leaders they do have are not leaders. They're politicians and people with power. There's a huge difference. Second question about the... Who, who and how decides the issues of the day? Politicians and media. It's like in America. Just insert, just change the names from the, Irish politi- the US politicians to the Irish politicians. You have people over here who are in power and people who are in opposition. The power want to drive the agenda of how great they are and how, how much better they have made everyone's lives. And if a report happens to come out, like... The homeless report that we started talking about, well, guess what? The opposition, regardless of whether you have the same ideology of the people in power or not, will just use it as a weapon to beat you with. And the calls will come out for more and more government, more and more policies, more and more plans. And the more those plans plan, or the more those plans fail, the more the planners will plan. Because Ireland is just like America, is just like Europe, is just like the rest of the world. You hear the same excuses when plans fail. Well, you know, we just didn't spend enough. Or we just didn't do enough. Or it just wasn't targeted enough. They'll always come up with these plans. Or it wasn't run by the right person. But now we have the right person involved, it'll it'll be all sorted. 
You've heard all these excuses in America many times over, just like I've heard them in Ireland. The more those plans fail, the more the planners plan. It will never be a case of, well, gee, did the plan work? Was it ever going to work? Even if you had Jesus Christ and God as the two people there, or if you're a Muslim Allah, or if you're an atheist and you believe that the rock gives you your rights, you put that rock in, would that plan ever work? Well, no. Why do you say no, John? You're, you're so negative. You're, why are you always so skeptical? Well, because of the history of the world and socialism and big government progressivism and statism never working anywhere. Oh, wow, we got 4% growth last year. Whoop-de-doo. The more the planners, the more the plans fail, the more the planners plan. And the media use this for ratings. The media don't have any principles in Ireland the same way they don't have any principles in America. Actually, that's not quite true. They both have the same principle. More and more government, more and more ratings. If it means more government, more ratings, they'll follow anything. That's all they care about. We don't care about freedom. We don't care about honor or dignity or the individual or a constitution. We just care about, well, the ends justify the means. That's the way we got to go. This is the sad truth in Ireland, in America, and in the rest of the world. It's up to you and me to either do one of two things. Either accept it and just go, well, I can't change anything. Or to stand and fight, to offer an alternative view, to offer a view of consistent to principles regardless of who holds power, whether it's the left, whether it's the right, whether it's the center, whether it's the moderate, whether it's the far right, the far left, or anyone in between. You could be the rainbow coalition. Stand for principles, no matter what. Adventions and social media and technology is going to make it easier to stand for principles and easier for each and every one of you to have your voices heard. You have a difference. You have the power. You have the, the actions in your community to make a difference. You have that power to go out and be the change, to be the person to lead your community it might be leading your family of three or four people. It might be leading a community. It might be leading a church. It might just be leading your own little neighborhood, your little street of five, six, seven, eight, ten houses. You might be the leader, but you can make a difference. Over here with the politicians, we're told, we're never even given the option, hey, you know, there's this homeless problem. Do you want to get involved? No, nah, it's always, we just need more money. We just need more money, more plans, more programs, and that will eventually sort it out. And, by the way, the media over here is just like the media in the States. It gets its 15 minutes of fame, or even 20 minutes of fame, and then it's dropped like a hot potato. And everyone thinks the problem's gone away. It's like the VA. Remember, what was it, a year, 18 months ago, the VA became this big issue? And heads rolled, and everyone went, Oh my God! These are our vets! We can't have them treated like that. And it went around on the news cycle. It was on ABC, MSNBC, CNN, Fox News, The Blaze. And then, guess what? CNN, ABC, and MSNBC got bored and they moved on to another issue. Fox still talk about it. The Blaze still talk about it. At parts. But nothing's changed. 
No person even got fired, as far as I'm aware. Well, the same thing happens over here. We get outraged. We have this moral outrage. It's like you, you've probably seen this move before. We see something. We hear something on the news. Of, oh, this, there's this report, and it says you know, all these people, you know, homelessness is going up. So we all get morally outraged. Then we get angry. Then the media get even, you know, report on our anger. And we get angrier. And then they'll get some politician who'll make some stupid comment of, well, it's not on our list of priorities. And then we'll have more moral outrage. And then we get angrier. And then something else will come along. And we'll get morally outraged and angered by that. And then we continue on that path. And then something else comes along. But we never get a solution. Gets its 15 minutes of fame and then guess what? Tick-tock. Time's up, buddy. Hard luck issue. You didn't get any change. But hey, you know, you caused a bit of moral outrage and anger. That is the sad, sad truth. I would love nothing more than to look in Ireland as a good nation, as a good, powerful nation, where it can make a difference, where the in people are empowered, not their government. Whether that actually happens or not is a whole different story. It's just like America. Ireland's potential is in its people, not in its politicians. But until the people actually believe in it and people understand they have the power, nothing will change. It's the same in America. I finish each and every show the same way for the exact same reason. America is great because of your people are being good. You have the power. i got to take a quick break, America. I'll be right back. Don't go anywhere. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn. On the Blaze Radio Network. Individuals and businesses with tax problems, listen carefully. If you owe over $10,000 in back taxes or have unfiled tax returns, we can help you take back control. The IRS is the largest and most aggressive collection agency in the world, and they can seize your bank account, garnish your paycheck, close your business, and file criminal charges. Take control of your tax problems now by calling the experts at Tax Mediation Services at 800-600-1645. That's 800-600-1645. 800-600-1645. Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. As always, I am on social media um, at Freedom Disciple on Twitter, on Facebook at Freedom's Disciple, or you can send me a friend request on my personal account, Jonathan Dunn fifty eight. Um, look me up. I love I love engaging with you. I love hearing from you. I love your feedback, both positive and negative. Um, I love 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 interacting with you. Um, just I have been. I will admit the last three or four weeks have been crazy busy, so I'm a bit late in replying to some people. If I am, it's not. I'm not ignoring you. I just. It's just been crazy. I'm on working on two new projects, and it's been busy, 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 and with Christmas and a lot of other things happening. So please send me a message or give me a feedback or tell me where you disagree with me, where I think I'm wrong. I will always answer you, even if you even if you totally disagree with me and it's something you know, I will always answer you. Since we're talking about Ireland, because of that question that I just answered, I want to share another story with you. Um, I want to share two stories with you. I want to start, with, both of them will annoy you, both of them will frustrate you, and both of them will get you upset. I'm giving you a warning, that's a spoiler warning. 
prepared to get angry. <laughs> I have long spoken out about any government involvement in healthcare. I have no time for it. I again, I'm a purist on these things. I don't want government involved in healthcare because when government gets involved, people tend to die. There is this report, and I just want to read a few lines of a medical report to you from a senior doctor. Um, he's a consultant. You know, he's one of these people who goes around and consults. He looks at all the problems and gives a report and says, these are all your problems, go fix them. Ireland has a two-tier healthcare system. We have a private, which I'm part of, um, because I'm one of those upper-class people. I need proper medical care. I've been joking. I pay for it. I pay a lot of money for my health care. Um, it's incredibly expensive. When you find out how much is tax, it makes you want to just scream. And it went up again this year. Woo! You know, I don't know any American who has had that experience where their health care has gone up by quite a few percentage points each and every year. And when I say quite a few percentage points, I'm not talking 1% or 2%. I, do you know any Americans who might feel the same way I do? I wonder why. But that's a topic for another day. Uh, it goes up each and every year because of taxes, because the government doesn't want people like me having private health care. Um, doesn't want anyone having private health care. We want a universal health care. Uh, One-size-fits-all one policy. Wouldn't that be wonderful? And this is all in the vision of fairness. I would love to suggest to politicians, both America, Ireland, anyone else, maybe you want to fix the public health care system before you put more people into it. Quote, up to 350 patients a year, i.e. one person a day, may be dying due to the lack of intensive care beds, leading specialists warned yesterday. And another 300 are needlessly dying because of the dangers posed by the trolley crisis. You see... Public health care is so swell in Ireland. It is just wonderful. It's brilliant that if you go in with a serious problem and you call an ambulance, you go to A&E, and you might sit on the trolley for quite a while. And I don't mean like a little injury where, oh, you broke your leg or you broke your arm, you have to sit in the trolley for a couple of hours. I'm talking about heart attacks, people with cancer, People with anything. You're just sitting on a trolley for 8, 10, 12, 14, 16, 18, 20 hours waiting to see someone. Yes, socialized medicine works wonders. Now, you might listen to that and go, well, John, that's two people a day. Put that into context. Ireland has 4.5 million people. America has, give or take the answers, because the estimates are never true, 320, 330 million so if that was 80 people a day because of intensive care beds and another 70 people dying because of a trolley crisis, and that's not to include all the other stuff, by the way, because this is just one report on wasting times and on beds. There are other reports where MRSA, pure hygiene, all this different stuff comes out and more people die. If you, do you think if a report came out in America today and said 150 people died because of a lack of beds, intensive care beds, or a lack of trolleys, or because you're waiting long on a trolley, because there's no beds to put you in. 150 people a day, give or take, when you portion it out. Do you think there'd be an outcry? Do you think there'd be a crisis? Do you think they'd be crazy? How do you think people would respond to that if they were all private? 
if they were all owned by individuals and investors and publicly traded companies, do you think there'd be investigations? Do you think there'd be audits? Do you think government agencies would be trying to shut them down? Yet when it's the government's job doing, uh, ironic, it's very silent. There's crickets. Public healthcare will never work. For many, many reasons. But because you have civil servants, you have, in Ireland, you have way too many managers, way too many chiefs and not enough Indians, so much reporting, and because, quite honestly, you can't control the need for sickness. Because... You can't, it's, not like you, it's not like a figure. Well, you know, we estimate 20,000 people are going to break their arm this year. Well, it might be only 18,000. Or this year might be a really bad arm for people breaking their arms. It might be 25,000 or 30,000. Can't estimate it. You can't estimate how many people are going to need cancer treatment, how many people are going to have a heart attack. You just have to deal with it in the best way possible. And call me crazy... But I think people working to get a profit and not just a person to, I don't know, just do a job is going to do a better job than someone just going along to get along. But also the side of public health care that no one ever talks about. I know many people who abuse the system because it is free. There is a person I know who is elderly who is very, very fit, but needs attention. And to get that attention comes up with a load of ailments. Oh, I have a pain here, and I have a pain there. And goes to hospitals just to get attention. But hey, what do you want them to do with her? Because it is free, right? Because that's what they always tell us. It's free. They can go to the hospital and get the attention they need. Yet they're taking a bed from someone who may need it. That is the free healthcare. I'm not going into this in deep detail because it's seven days before Christmas. But I just want to share one last story with you. Because the joys of socialized medicine. I nearly freaked with this. Generally speaking, I'm pretty healthy. I don't go to doctors. I don't go to hospitals. I have to have a lovely test every three years because I have um, stomach and bowel issues and I have a major history of cancer in my family so I have to go for lovely tests every three years which are a lot of fun and I have to go see my doctor every so often and one of the things I have to get is antihistamine I have asthma not mild asthma but allergies I'm allergic to dust and I'm allergic to pollen and all these other things. And I take a little pill a day. First thing in the morning, wake up, pill. And it helps. But for some reason, I don't know why I'm not a doctor or a pharmacist or tech guy. There is only one set of pills that work for me. Every other antihistamine does not work. It works for about six or eight hours. Then I need another one. And because of what's in them... Um, makes you drowsy and dopey if you take you know if you're taking one of these every six or eight hours over a long period of time it's not healthy apparently and stuff or whatever they i can't remember what they said but there's this brand i take one a day we have a public health care system 
which means I can only pay a certain amount. So I can, I, it's about 150 euros, which is about $170. I can't pay more than that. So I could get a thousand euros worth of medicine and only pay 150 because the other is free. They just decided to make that extra pills for me. No labor costs, no production costs. It's free. That's what we get told. But you have to sign up for it. You have a public card and you go through the process. And when you go to a new pharmacist, um, because you have to have a prescription, you give in your card and they register you and they, they, they go through all their tax things and all these different things. And I went to my pharmacist last week to get my new prescription, my new set of pills, because you get them every 30 days. And he looked at the price and he went, huh. He said, what else do you get from us? And I said, nothing. And he went, oh, okay. He said, uh, they're, I think they're about 18 euros, about 20 bucks a month. And he said, let me, let me see that. You can only take them, right? And I went, yeah, I can only take them. The others don't work. I've tried all the four or five different brands. He said, right, I thought so. Now, if you would believe the myth, public health care should be cheaper. You know, because it's cheaper, it's better government running it, right? Wrong. He said to me, you only get them. Let me see. I'm going to put in a call to our rep because these are sold to you on a prescription. And you get them once a month. What I'm going to do is I'm going to see if I can order some for you. The exact same tablet, the exact same box, but they're not to be sold through the public health care system. They're just to be over the counter, which means I don't have to go to my doctor every three, six months to get a prescription for him, which means I don't have to pay him 55 euros, which is about 60 something dollars to get a prescription to give to the chemist to pay this. 16, 17, 18 euros, whatever they are, a month. And he says, I can get them cheaper for you over the counter. That is how you pay for, quote unquote, your free medicine. Because something that is worth 15 euro now has been bought for, for or sold for 18 euro because you're paying for it. We inflate the value. Private healthcare works. People making a profit. Because what happens when people make a profit? You innovate. Things get cheaper. You know, it was only a couple of weeks ago you had Black Friday. And I saw the deals. Like I don't sometimes I don't think Americans realise how lucky they are. And I don't mean that in an arrogant way. I just mean some of the stuff you pay for, it's incredibly cheap. You know, it gets forty inch flat screen TVs. For like 80, you know, $120. You get petrol so cheap. You know, you go crazy when it, it gets to $2, $3 a gallon. Average in Ireland is about $8 a gallon. $9 a gallon. $10 a gallon. That is the standard price in Ireland. You have so many advantages that makes America unique. You have Technology. But when you have the invention to get a profit, to make sure you are always the best, innovation brings prices down. Public doesn't work. Public inflates value. That is a story I heard. Now, I'll keep you posted because um, I won't be seeing my chemist for another 20-something days. But maybe in January I'll give you an update on the story and say this is exactly how much he saved me. But even let's just say something small. He saves me a buck a month. 
That's 12 bucks a year plus not having to go to the doctor is 50 bucks every three, six months. He might save me over the course of a year about $100. That might not seem like a lot, but you know what? I'd much rather it be in my pocket than in someone else's. That is why free market capitalism works. I gotta take a quick break, America. I'll be right back. Don't go anywhere because I want to talk to you about something else in the free market industry. You're listening to Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. progressive movement is full of lies. Why do Americans keep falling for the deception? In his new book, Liars, Glenn Beck reveals the simple answer, fear. At our most basic level, we're all afraid of something, and progressives exploit this by offering us solutions to our fears. Solutions based on lies and an unrelenting hunger for power and control. Understanding the roots of these lies is key to helping us stop the disease of progressivism. Liars by Glenn Beck. On sale now at glennbeck.com slash liars. Freedom versus freebies. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Thank you so much for sticking with me, America. I have something I want to talk to you about. Um, I want to talk to you about free market capitalism. I want to talk to you about just a topic that is very important that has been misconstrued by both left and right today. But before we do that, I just want to take a moment and just just remember something and just salute each and every one of you who listen. You know, over the last couple of years and that I've been involved with The Blaze in different capacities and with this podcast, I've been told many times, I've been attacked, I've been insulted, I've been demeaned, I've been threatened. And I've also seen um, organizations and people who quite honestly have no honor, no dignity, no self-respect, and have created false headlines and created stories that the blaze is going out of business, and I've had people laugh at me going, you know, you you shouldn't attach your wagon um, to the blaze, you should move on. I just find it ironic, because I just want to salute a few people. I find it ironic that in November, the blaze had its best ever month in audio downloads and listens on all platforms. It's impressive when you consider the prior best month was October of this year. But what makes it even more impressive is anytime that happens when you hit a record, a new record, it's really cool. And it's really special and and it's, it's a sign. When you consider that happened in November 2016, it's more impressive. That there are still people out there thinking you're going to go out of business and spreading that lie. When you think that it's right after an election season... I don't know about you, but when the election happened, I just, I went, <sighs> and then thirdly, when you consider that for a period of this month, people were on vacation, so we didn't have the same amount of shows as always because of Thanksgiving, and also people don't have as much free time because it's Thanksgiving, you're getting ready for Thanksgiving, then it's Christmas, you've got to buy presents, you've got to get the house ready, people just don't have as much free time, it's more family time, people coming in out of town. So I just want to salute a few people. I want to salute everyone, most importantly, who listens. Thank you for your support, for checking out my show, for listening to others. 
but I also want to give a, a big congrats to people behind the scenes, Dom, Brian, Jonathan, for putting this people, this this group of people together. I don't know why I'm here. Um, there's a lot of talented people who offer different roles. You know, Doc, Glenn, Buck, Chris Alcedo, Michael Palka. You know, even on the podcast side, you got, you know, my buddy Justin Barkley. Um, you know, a wonderful lady um, in case. You got Darling Daniel Lappin, you got Sheriff Clark, you've got Zudi Jasser, you got Charlie Harari, you got Cam Edwards, you got so many fantastic people, and then you got me. I, I honestly believe I'm I'm hitting a quota or something on the blaze, you know. Let's pick the most I don't know, outrageous person that you can find, just this crazy Irish guy and put him on air. I'm so thankful to be in part of that group and thank you to each and every one of you who listen, who share, who comment. It shows me that people still want to hear about principles, want to hear stories, want to hear, you know, want to hear good's opinion on different topics. What do you agree or disagree? Now on to the issues. I want to talk to you about the Dow. There are people for the last 8 years I've been arguing against the left. Because, you know, anytime you'd talk to the left about the economic disaster that was the Obama administration, from excessive, excessive regulations to taxes to businesses getting hard to, to set up, through just creating this myth that, you know, just be middle, just be average, just be ordinary, you know, live off the government, don't be innovative, don't set up your small business, to just pure out, out hatred for different industries. Whether it was, hey, you, you can set up a coal plant, but I'll bankrupt you. Yeah, that's always a good message for business. And anytime you would talk to people on the left, the one thing they would hang their hat on for, well, look, you're only just a right winger. You just don't see the good Obama does. And they would point to the Dow as, well, look at the Dow. The Dow's doing great. There is this urgency on both sides at different times to make the Dow reflect what they wanted to reflect. So when Obama was in power, it was, well, the Dow was historic rates. That's, that's wonderful. When Brexit happened, the, the, the English version of the Dow, the FTSE tanked. And everyone, well, this shows you, you know, we, we don't like the, they don't like Brexit. The, the markets are very uneasy. The Dow went down. But when Trump won, the Dow went through the roof. And I've now had people on the right say, well, you see, that's what happens when you put a businessman in the White House. The, the Dow goes up. Donald Trump hasn't done anything. Yeah, but, you know, he, everyone knows he's going to do something. The Dow just went up. I'm not bashing Trump. I'm not bashing anyone. I'm just going to talk to you about logical facts and figures. The last couple of weeks show I've been focusing in on you, your role, and who defines you. The reason for this has been from issues and I want to talk to you about in the new year. But also I just want to talk to you about the Dow for a minute. I am amazed anyone pays attention to the Dow. Not because it's not important. Not because it shouldn't be, but because everyone just makes it their argument. It's the Dow. It's the stock exchange. How, the, how are the stock exchange, how are the markets responding to a bit of news? Does anyone know 
What's on the Dow? I'm going to read out something to you. 3M, American Express, AT&T, Boeing Company, Caterpillar Company, Chevron Corporation, Cisco Systems, DuPont Numerous, ExxonMobil, General Electric, Goldman Sachs, Home Depot, Intel Corporation, International Business Machines, Johnson & Johnson, J.P. Morgan & Chase, McDonald's Corporation, American Co., Microsoft, Nike, Pfizer, Procter & Gamble, Coca-Cola, Travelers Companies, United Technologies, United Health Group, Verizon Communications, Visa, Walmart & Walt Disney. That's 30 companies I just named, and they are the 30 companies on the Dow. Do they, what they do and what they feel and how people respond to them influence you in any way? If, if someone happens to wake up in Walt Disney and feel bad, or if there's a general mood of, you know, the price for Walt Disney shares is at an all-time high, I think they're going to go down. And the demand reflects that and their share price goes down. Does that affect you in any way of your life? If the Dow goes up tomorrow, if it has a record day, and I don't know what the record is, but let's just say it has a really good day. Positive trading all around. All strong results from all companies. And each of them, every stock market, every stock, the 30 stocks in the Dow goes up. And let's say it goes up by 500 points. Does that affect you? Does that affect how much money you have? Now, it might in your 401k. It might affect you down the road in your pension if, if you've invested in the Dow or in any other industry. It might affect you there. But I mean in the general mood. How many businesses do you think are in America? Because according to some estimates, there are approximately 28 million businesses in America. 28 million. Now, we also have to put that into context, that 22 million of those businesses are self-employed and they have no employees or no additional payroll. They just work for themselves. So let's use the smaller number. Let's just put things into context. There are 6 million small businesses in America who employ people. You know, your traditional, using old-fashioned language, you know, your mom-and-pop store. The mom and pop store down the end of the corner. Do you think what happens in Cisco or Walmart, well, maybe Walmart because if it's a mom and pop store, but the likes of Cisco or Walt Disney or Nike, what happens there affects them, is affecting their mood. Well, well, the mood around Nike is down, so my mood must be down. When you consider that since 1995, 65% of the new jobs, the net new jobs have been created by small businesses, not Cisco, not Walmart, not Nike. Not McDonald's. Small, small businesses. When you add this into consideration, that approximately each month, 543,000 new businesses get started. Sadly, we're in a cycle right now where more businesses shut down than start up each month. But just put yourself in the shoes where you have this new product, new idea, new innovation, new service, new USP, whatever it is. And you're one of those 543,000 new businesses. And you're starting up and you're all excited and you're filled with optimism. Are you looking to the stock market going, well, if the stock market has a good day, I'll be happy today. But if it tanks, I'm really upset. This is the idea that we're talking about. 
the fact that 20, even using the small number, 6 million businesses are affected by the 30. Because it all goes to mood, right? You know, there are surveys out there. I'm sure some of you listening have taken part in these surveys from market research companies. Well, dear sir, madam, how, how do you feel? Well, I feel pretty good. And what's your average spend per month? Well, it's this. And How much, you know, compared to this time last year, are you spending more or less or on the same? Well, I'm spending more. Because inflation, duh. And having to spend more. Oh, okay. Well, you know, on the brands you buy, are, are you buying more premium bands, brands or luxury brands compared to what you bought last year? Or are you about the same? About the same, but I'm paying more for them. So I'm spending more. Oh, okay. You could be very positive. You could be very negative. You know, how are you set for Christmas? You know, will you be buying a bigger turkey this year? Will you be buying a bigger ham? Will you be going to more Christmas parties? Will you be giving more presents? They ask all these different types of questions depending on what organization you go. And it all basically boils down to how you feel. How's your mood? When was the last time you updated your car? When was the last time you did home improvements and updated your house? It all boils down to consumer sentiment. Yet for people on the left for the last eight years, that was just gone. You know, it, it didn't matter take-home take pay went down for quite a lot of people. It didn't matter that, you know, more businesses were been shut down compared to starting up. It, none of that mattered. You, the individual, your little pesky small business, it didn't matter. It just mattered. Well, the, the stock exchange did really well. Those 30 companies got richer. When you think about it, it's an extremely ironic side point, extremely ironic that people on the left hang their hats on the Dow as a sign of Obama's recovery being brilliant, which these are traditionally rich companies. I don't know about you, but likes of Nike and Walmart and Walt Disney and Pfizer company and even even big banks. Oh, Goldman Sachs are on that list. You know, you're hanging your hat on their success. You're kind of ironic for the left, but you know... The left never met a principle or an idea that they couldn't sort of, you know, work their way around and spin it in the right positive way. But the right are doing it now. Donald Trump is is president-elect. The Dow's had its record day, huge. It's been at its all-time highs. Let me put this into context with you. What do you expect the Dow to do? Because you're in business, Okay. You expect the Dow to go up each and every day. It doesn't happen. It's just not possible. The world isn't all possible. But you expect it. Because the Dow, as I'm saying, this is not me starting up a small business and my success or failure. These are all established names. All established names with established profit margin and established businesses, both in America and overseas. You expect them to make money. If these companies don't make money and don't hit their estimates, it's big news because Nike didn't hit their estimate this month or Walt Disney didn't. That is big news. These big companies are very set up and run efficiently. So that is that. But secondly, what do you expect the world to do and the Dow to do when you keep printing money? It's not like a dollar to that a dollar in 2016 on the 17th of December, or whatever day you're listening to this, is worth the exact same thing and the exact same spending power you had on, I don't know, the 6th of December this year. Or 
when it was election day in November, or in 2014, or 20, 2008, or 2000, you had different spending power with that dollar. It bought more back then than it did today. So, jumping your high horse going, well, the Dow had a record day, what do you expect it to do? Between money printing, between inflation, between stimulus packages, of course the Dow is going to go up. It's a bull. They call it a bubble for a reason. It gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and then it goes, and it pops. And by the way, this isn't just Obama. One thing, I'm going to annoy a lot of people in the new year, because I'm going to talk about a lot of issues. And it's not, it's easy to blame Obama. Obama has a huge role to play. He's president. But, and likewise going forward, Trump will have a role to play. But you're not a, a, a you're not a theocracy, you're not a democracy, you're a republic. Paul Ryan will have a big role to play. Mitch McConnell will have a big role to play. And they've played a big role going back. The same way John Boehner did and George Bush did. And our good old buddy Trent Lott. I say that very sarcastically for those who are listening. These have all played a big role. We're going to be talking about policies and principles that are going back a long time. In fact, just on this issue alone, just on the dollar, this goes all the way back to Nixon and the gold standard. That's how far these policies go back to where they started. Some of the policies I'm going to talk to you about in the new year went all the way back to our good old buddy Woodrow. History is a long time of going on this big progressive agenda. What I'm going to ask you to do in the new year, and I'm going to start today, and I've been leading up to this for the last couple of weeks. Who defines you? What defines you? Educate yourself. Empower yourself. Know the truth. Look at things and question absolutely everything with boldness. Question me with boldness. Don't just say, well, John said that. Go question it. Go find out. I'll give you the source material where I can. If there's something, if I give a fact and a figure on a show and you're worrying about it or you're questioning on that doesn't sound quite right drop me a message on social media going hey where'd you get this number where'd you use this figure i'll give you the source data if i don't already post it but question everything and find where you stand on the issues for people who are long-time listeners to many shows you know where glenn beck stands on the issues whether you like it or not or whether you agree with it or not you know where he stands you know where i stand you know where doc thompson stands you know where Mark Levin stands? Again, I'm not saying these are right or wrong or whether you like them or not, but you know where they stand. Where do you stand? And who defines you? Do you stand on your principles? Do you think right now, well, you know, the, the, it's great Trump is in, you know, the Dow's doing great. Isn't that wonderful? Is that going to define you? Or are you going to look at it and, and question with boldness? This is the decisions each and every one of you have to make. I'm going to hopefully take you on a journey over the coming weeks, months and years, building up to 2018 and 2020, that you have such a strong foundation, or if you already have a strong foundation, like I know many of you do, adding to it by finding the questions and helping you find the, where the issues stand. Now, if you want to play the games where, well, Trump is in, Trump won it, you know, that's why the stock market's going up. Okay, that's no problem. That's your opinion, and I respect it, even if I disagree with it. 
but I will ask the questions in the hope, maybe not on the Dow, maybe not on healthcare, maybe on some other issues, where if I ask the right questions and get you thinking, you might just see the bigger picture. You might see the principles. Because the Dow should be going up each and every day through businesses, through money inflation, through printing, and through stimulus packages. It should be going up every day. And that is not a celebration. This is something I've seen and I wanted to address today. Where do you stand on the issues? Who do you stand with? Do you stand with a person, with a party, or with a principle? Or with God? i got to take one last quick break, America. Don't go anywhere. I'll be right back. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network. Coming up today on Pat and Stew. 538 people have been shot so far by police this year in 2016. Uh, something like 238 of those are white. I think it was 112 or black, then the rest Hispanic and, and other races. Of those, 35 were unarmed. Pat and Stu, weekdays at 5 p.m. Eastern on the Blaze Radio Network. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on demand. Thank you so much for sticking with me, Mark. I hope today's show is giving you plenty to digest. We've covered a lot of topics, but I didn't want to make it too today's show too heavy because, in case you haven't noticed, it's seven days before Christmas. Seven, seven. Oh my God! Do you remember when you were a kid? You're like counting down the sleeps. Like, oh, it's only more seven more sleeps to Christmas till Santa comes. That optimism of a kid is just something that is so invaluable and so cool. I wish we had it more in today's society. I wish I had more of it. If you have a question, the Life in Utopia segment is finished, but we did kind of a segment on it to see this, the the first segment of the show. If over the holidays or at any time I'm doing the show and you listen and you kind of go, wow, that guy's Irish. Even if you're a new listener, that guy's Irish. He lives in Ireland. I have this question. I'd love to know. Whatever it is. It can be something quick and simple. You can get me on Twitter at Freedom Disciple or on Facebook at Freedom's Disciple or Jonathan Dunn 58. Um, you can ask me privately. People send me a lot of private messages. I have no problem with that. Because when you put things on Facebook, a lot of people get involved and share their opinions. Private message me. If it's something simple that I can answer, I'll answer it for you. But if it's something like the question that lady sent in to me, I will answer it on the show, and I will also answer you as well in Messenger. I won't leave you hanging for two or three weeks. Second bit of business I just want to discuss. This is the last show for the year. Um, next Saturday is Christmas Eve. As as much as you all love me, and as much as you love my accent, I kind of figure you've got better things to do than listen to me on Christmas Eve. So we're going to take a couple of weeks break, and we're going to... We're going to take a breather. This is the last show. You'll you'll have Christmas Eve free, and then the following week is New Year's Eve. So, again, I'm guessing a lot of people will be out boogie-woogieing and having a few beers, um, a few light beers, hopefully. Um, 
and celebrating the new year. We'll be back the first Saturday in the new year. I'm really excited. So we're off for a couple of weeks. Before we finish up today's show, I want to share one last story with you. If you've been listening the last couple of weeks, you'll have noticed the last segment of the show I've been focusing in on on scriptures and stories and different principles to talk about. The reason is, I'm not trying to convert you. I don't belong to a religion, so I don't actually have a religion to convert you to. Um, Maybe I could start one. Hmm, John's religion. (laughs) Oh, that would be fun. Could you imagine if I set up my own religion? That's that's another subject for another day, sorry. Um, I'm excited, I'm hyper, I'm giddy. Sue me. Um, I don't have a religion to convert you to. Uh, I'm not. That's not my aim. My aim is to share stories, share principles. This month, it's been about the Bible. We're going to be doing different books going forward. But I want to share a story with you because it's Christmas. I believe character matters. I really do. I think I can disagree with people on pretty much everything. And I can still like you and respect you. You know, a case in point, a couple of weeks ago, we didn't discuss this on the show because I just didn't have time. But George Bush gave an interesting statement on North Korea, gave a speech on it. And yeah, you can YouTube it and Google it and see what he said. But when I was reading stuff that came out of the transcripts from the terrorists and how they expected him and America to react post 9-11, it's incredibly impressive how much restraint he had. You know, I, I know people who are around politics who would have been the first people to shove that in the media's faces at every opportunity they got going. You see, that's why we did it. That's why we did it. That Look at that. He was just so restrained. I think I agree maybe with, what, 10% at max what George Bush said and did during his legacy. I can't think of George Bush without thinking of the Patriot Act and TARP and we got to destroy the free market to save it. We disagree on everything, but principally... He's a decent guy, I think. Character matters. The reason I went off on that is because I want to share a story with you. Where character matters. And I would just ask you to think about how this person would have reacted today in our world. And it's only a short story, so just bear with me. And it's a story of a man. And he's a young guy. And his name is Joseph. And Joseph is, at the time, this is set around, well, you know, 0 zero AD. A few years before it. He's just a typical guy, you know, family guy. Hangs around with his parents and his brothers and sisters. He's a carpenter. And he finds this woman he loves. And he just falls head over heels in love with her. Her name is Mary. And as you did back then, you know, one date led to two, led to three, led to four. And eventually, because they fell so in love with each other, they decided, you know what, we need to get married. And then, something happened. You know, life has a way of, you know, trying you a curveball. You know, something you never could expect. And Mary fell pregnant. And the thing was, it wasn't Joseph's. It wasn't his baby. Now, back then, what you would do 
is you would dismiss her quiet. You would dismiss her. Say, you know, we can't be together. It's not my baby. I'm not bringing it up. And Joseph had those thoughts. He said, you know what? I can't do this. It's not my baby. And But what I'm going to do is I'm going to dismiss you very quietly. I'm not going to make a big deal. I'm not going to do a song and dance about it. But then he had a dream. And his dream was that he was to take her as his wife. And he was told what to name the baby. And he was told that he will save people for their sins. This baby is going to be a special baby. The full part of this story, obviously it's of Jesus and Mary. The part of this story, I just want to focus in on how he dealt with it. Character and honor matter. Can you imagine how that would be dealt with today? Can you imagine the Facebook posts someone like Joseph would have had? Can you imagine the the Facebook video rants that could have happened? Heck, in today's world, he'd probably end up on... I was going to say Dr. Phil, but I don't know if Dr. Phil does paternity tests. You know the average daytime TV show. Over here, it's Jeremy Kyle. I don't know if you know who that is. He's the... He's the English guy, and he does English shows, and, you know, is is so-and-so the father, or is it so, someone else? And, you know, they did the dirt on me. And and then they have these lie detector tests and stuff. I never watch. It, it's depressing to watch. But I don't know who it is big in America. I remember when I was growing up, I don't think she did it. My gran used to love Sass, Sally Jesse Raphael. I don't know if she did paternity tests or not, or if she's still around, or if she's even still alive. But my granny used to love her. And my granny used to love Ricky Lake. I think she's American. But you know all these shows, you know, where you come out and one person tells their story and then the other person comes out and tells the story and then they bring a friend and they give their two cents words. And then all of a sudden it's, oh, he is the father. He isn't the father. You know, those type of things. Can you imagine the outrage, all the family people getting involved? Character matters. Then imagine... Having that question. I know the Holy Spirit helped her get pregnant. But you know, how do you re- how do you respond to that? He could have easily ignored the message going, I, I know that dream and I know Jesus and I, and I know Lord and I know God uh, and I know but just not not me. Not for me. It's too much responsibility. Then when you think of the journey they had to find the the inn as she's heavily pregnant. You know, at any time he could have bailed. He could have went, you know what? Look, Mary, I love you. And, and I know God told me that he made you pregnant. And I, and I know. And I know you're a really nice girl. But th- this is too much. And then when Herod came along and, you know, he was told to go back to Israel. And he ended up going to Nazareth. You know, he could have went, oh, look, I just can't deal with this. this the amount of people who want to kill our baby is just, I, I just can't deal with it. I'm, I'm out. You look at society today, we check out at the smallest hurdle. He didn't. He kept going. Can you imagine, you know, I I always try and imagine different scenarios and different conversations. Can you imagine the conversations Joseph must have had with God? You know, especially in today, you know, compared to today's world. Just put yourself in today's world. Oh God, it's so hard. 
My life sucks. You know, this is not the life I envisaged myself. Can you imagine? He must have been, because by all accounts that I've read of him, he was a very humble, quiet guy. He's probably thinking, you know, all I wanted God was just to be a carpenter, to, 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 to find myself a wife, to have kids, and I don't think they had this phrase back then, but effectively live happily ever after. And sure, there'll be bad times, you know, there might be a bit of famine or a bit of drought or, you know, work might dry up and we mightn't have as much money. But, you know, you'll help us through that. But he was like, no, (laughs) famine and drought are the least of your concerns. You know, and then also the attention. Like, imagine, I, I, I can only imagine I don't have kids. But, like, you know, you have this, your wife is pregnant, and eventually, you know, you find a place for your wife to stay and your wife give birth. And then all of a sudden, well, it's not all of a sudden in the story. In the story term, it's all of a sudden. It's like, ding, ding. It's not that way in, in reality. But, you know, all of a sudden, then these three people come who you've never known, don't know, have no idea. And they just give you, like, gold, frankincense and myrrh. You know, can you imagine? Just put your, just think of how you'd react you know, imagine you're firstborn, and then all of a sudden these three strangers come, hey, I know you don't know me, and I don't know you, but here's some gold, and here's some frankincense, and here's some mirror. It's, it's an incredible story. Just think of how he reacted, and just think of all the things he must have thought. Think of, even if nothing else, just think of his prayers. My God, what did I do to deserve this? Ser- like, seriously. You know? But he didn't kept going character matters honor matters being a good person matters because here's the thing about life life is incredible it's it is the only way i can describe life is it's a roller coaster you're up one month you're down the next month or maybe that's just my life you know life no matter i don't care who you are i've spoken to extremely rich people and extremely poor people and everyone in between i don't know anyone who said i just wanted my life to go this way and it did life is about finding opportunities and being the best person you can be and being the best person you can be sometimes might be the best talented it might be hitting a baseball 500 500 yards 45 times a season it might be creating the next drug to cure cancer it might be hitting a ball 60 times in a round it might be to be the best loving father you can be and to put up with people coming who you don't know to see your son from a long distance people wanting to kill your son because of who he is life will throw you curveballs Life will beat you up, chew you out, and want some more. Life is unpredictable. But character matters. Honor matters. As we approach Christmas, I remember the story of Joseph and remember a man who could have easily said no. After all, he wouldn't have been the first person to say no to God. He would not have been the first man to choose man over God. He would not have been the first man to choose the easy path. 
but he said yes. And he acted accordingly. By all accounts, he didn't go around bragging about what a, how hard his life was, looking for sympathy. He just got on with it and did the best he could. Think of how far we have travelled in those two hundred year, 2,000 years. Think of many advancements we have had over the last 2,000 years. Heck, you have a guy talking to you right now from about 6,500 miles away from you. Just think about that. Yeah, how have we advanced as a culture and a society and as individuals? If that same story happened today, just even if you just remove the miracle side of it, you know, where the Holy Spirit impregnated Mary and Jesus was born, just forget the, 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 the magical and the, the, the Holy Spirit side of it. Just think of a, how would we deal with the news? Would we do it privately and try and do it quietly so we don't shame the person? Oh, would we make a big kick and dance about it? Or even if you find out your, if your, it's your baby and you find out life is going to be tough. At what point do you check out or do you keep going? These are the questions I think of when I think of the story of Joseph as we approach Christmas. It's incredible. Then think of the story of Mary. How easy would it have been for her to say no? For her to give up? She kept going. Their story is incredible. And simply put, it's a story of acting with honor, acting with dignity, doing the right thing, and most of all, in many ways, not giving up. Not giving up because you have a purpose in this life, but also not giving up because you have this sense of belief in God, in a higher power, knowing your life means something. You, Each and every one of you listening right now has a purpose. You have a sense of belonging. I don't know what your purpose is or what your mission is or what you have to do. But right now, if you put your hand just below your wrist, you'll feel a pulse. You'll feel a throbbing. That means you're still alive. It means you're still here for a reason. Now, it could be just like me. Your reason is to eat a lot of turkey and ham in seven days. Or it could be something a lot deeper. It could be to offer words of encouragement to a friend, to a family member. Or to create the next drug that cures cancer. Or to create the next technology. You have a purpose. Be the best person you can be. Never give up. And know that there is a plan for you. Even if you don't know what that plan is. You know when Joseph fell in love with Mary. He didn't think the plan was. Well what's going to happen. Where she's going to fall pregnant. By the Holy Spirit. And then we're going to take a long journey. And. She's going to give birth in a stable, and then we're going to move again, and then a king's going to try and kill my, my son, and, and then we're going to move again. He didn't think that. You don't know what's going to happen in three months, six months, 12 months, a year, two years, ten years down the road. What you can do is condition yourself, your character. As we've spoken over the last couple of weeks, define yourself and not have anyone else define you, and get ready. 
to be responding to whatever it is, to respond in the right way, to respond with love, to respond with kindness, and to be the best person you can be. This is all in your control. This is all down to each and every one of you. Which path do you choose? I hope, and I will encourage and try and inspire you to choose the right path. The traditional American path. To choose the godly path. To choose the path to freedom, and I mean real freedom. And to share my passion and love for everything your country has done, everything your country stands for, and for the celebration of the things you have yet to do. That is all within your power. As always, America, we salute the real heroes in society. The police, the firefighters, the emergency personnel, and your vets. These are the men, women, and families who give up their time, who this Christmas won't be at the dinner table. They will be on call. They will be ready at a moment's notice to help other people and forgo their own personal pleasures, their own personal engagements, because they make the ultimate sacrifice each and every day. And some of them are still overseas. They, men, women, young, old, are real heroes. And lastly, I salute you, the great American people. We finish the show the same way each and every week. America is great because Americans are good. I hope and I wish each and every one of you a very happy, peaceful, and enjoyable new Christmas and new year. Eat, drink, and be merry. For 2017 is about to come upon us. And 2017 is going to be a big year in the redefinition and the redefining of America American exceptionalism, and the American dream. I will see you in two weeks, America. God bless, and God bless America. This is Freedom's Disciple with Jonathan Dunn on the Blaze Radio Network.